praise the Lord. How many has been there in those lonely nights? Maybe you're there today and you're facing things that you've never faced before or sometimes it can be repetitive things that you've faced. But the grace of God will always be there, won't he? He loves to get his children in such a spot sometimes that they don't know what to do, which way they're going to turn. Brother Mem said he loves it. It's strange. You know, you'd think a father would love that. But he loves to get his children to such a difficult spot that your back is against the Red Sea and the Egyptian army's behind you and there seems like there's absolutely no way out. And here he comes. And he loves to manifest himself that way. Praise the Lord. Aren't you happy to be a child of God serving a wonderful father like that tonight? Let's turn, if you would, to the book of Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. We'll read together there. And also 1 Timothy chapter 3. We greet you tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. What a wonderful opportunity is given to us to represent our Lord in his kingdom. I want you to think tonight as we look into the scripture that we are part of the government of God on the earth. We're part of a kingdom. A great portion of that kingdom is invisible. But there is a portion that is visible. And we are part of that visible part. But we're driven by the invisible. Moses had an experience with such a thing so many, many years ago. But the Bible says that he saw him who was invisible. So that's kind of peculiar, isn't it? You're going to see somebody who is invisible. But if you ever see him, your life will be changed forever. So hopefully we can see him tonight in our presence, the invisible part, as well as the visible part. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How many believes that with all of your heart? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 3.14, giving the the position of the church, the New Testament church. Remember, it hadn't been that long in the gospel now to where that this was written. First Timothy, let me see, Second Timothy 66. So First Timothy had been around 61, 62 A.D., something like that, so about 30 years. So the revelation of what God had been doing in the body had certainly become more clear. But Paul wrote things about the body that the rest of the apostles, even Peter said he writes things that's hard to be understood. This no doubt was one of them. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now listen to the adjectives that he uses to describe this body of Christ. How thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. So we're not just talking about how that when we come to this building here, how we ought to behave ourselves. That's important. We know that's very important to God. But how we ought to behave ourselves in the house of God. In the house of God. 
of God. Each one of us is members in that house. So your behavior can affect me. My behavior can affect you. So if we know how to behave ourselves in the house of God, and where do we get such teaching and training? Well, we get it in this house of God. We get it in this house here so that it will teach us how to behave ourselves in the house of God, which is, he says, the church of the living God. We know this building isn't that. One day it'll be destroyed, totally annihilated. So he's teaching us more than just the church house, as we call it, the pillar and ground of the truth. How many would say tonight, Lord, open my understanding? Have a prayer call here tonight from Sister Sandy Baggett. It's concerning her brother-in-law, Dennis Fleeman, has a real rare form of cancer, and they've been doing some tests and things on him. I think they're turning, actually, maybe prayer request in your brother on Sunday. So apparently they've got some of the results back, and uh, it's a very serious situation. So we'd like to uh, pray for him tonight. How many else has a, a need on your heart, maybe a person or a thing or situation in your life? Let's just take it to the Lord right now. Heavenly Father, we know it's such a great privilege and opportunity that we can bow our heads to the dust of the earth. To know that our father so many, many years ago, our father Abraham, when you were going to make known to him your covenant, and you told him first to look at the sand, and you said, if you can count the sand, that will be the number of your seed. Then you raised him up and looked him up toward heaven. And he lifted his eyes and said, now look to the stars. And if you can tell the stars. So the prophet picked that up and he used these words from dust to stars. So that's what we are here tonight. From the dust of the earth, we have been elevated by the new birth and our election becoming more clear and more plain every day. So we're rising from dust to stars. When our loved ones pass from us, they go from dust into that realm of the heavens. Not that they become a glistening star shining in the night sky, but they move into that realm of heavenly bodies. When you were here, Lord Jesus, you said, in my Father's house are many mansions. Well, we know it's not castles, palaces, but it's bodies, tabernacles. We're so thankful that we have one. But we know as we go through this life, this old body here can certainly become afflicted with anxiety and worry and sickness and disease and trouble. So we bring these requests to you tonight. Father, I pray for this request from Sister Sandy. Lord, you see the situation, the diagnosis that they've given to Dennis and We're praying, God, for your mercy to him. Lord, you know the status of his soul. It's been some time since I've talked to him, so I really don't know where he's at there, but you do, Father. So we're praying not only for his body, but if there's anything lacking in that soul that you just deal with him. Lord, we know what what a, a diagnosis like this can be to hear it from a doctor. It can be heartbreaking. But Lord God, we believe that you're a God of miracles, a God of the supernatural. So we're praying that you'd move for him, for his family. Now, Lord, we all here tonight 
have a need. We've assembled ourselves together that we could sing and pray and worship. Now we've come to the breaking of the bread of life. And we need your help. I need your help, no doubt, more than anyone here. Because I've studied, I've prayed, I've applied myself. But yet it takes the anointing on me to help me. To be able to convey what you put on my heart. But they also need the anointing to be able to receive it. So would you speak to us tonight, Father? And then when the service is over, we will say, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us along the way? Granted, I pray, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You know, the government of the Lord Jesus is something that's certainly been misunderstood down through the ages. <clears throat> the greatest misunderstanding probably has been brought by those that are in the so-called church. And we know, of course, that in 325 AD, whenever they wanted to form a government which was contrary to apostolic doctrine, then they began to change the shape and the ideology of the way that people would look at the word church from that point on. So since 325 AD, when it got worse and worse under the different um, emperors of Romans and then, of course, changed to, to the pontificate or the pope himself, then with the uh, wars that would go on under the great conquerors, they would take over Jerusalem, they would face the Moors, they would come against the Mohammedans, they would kill them, supposedly in the name of the cross, they would kill them in the name of the Christianity, so-called. They would have Christ on their shields, Christ on their ornaments, and all that sort of thing. And it began to change a mindset of what people thought about the church. We know, of course, that that had nothing to do with the church that Jesus himself established. Is that right? That's not what Jesus is even talking about. Yet to this day, many of the Muslims still identify us as Christians with that. And they say that's what the early Christians done. There wasn't one Holy Ghost-filled child of God in that mess. I can tell you that right now. There wasn't one of them went around killing people and cutting their heads off, killing their babies, and doing all that nonsense. Is that right? Yet they done it in the name of a church, and I agree with that. But it was not in the name of this church that the Lord Jesus established. Then as we go along, the denominations then from the mother, they came down to become the daughters. Then the daughters would start accepting to their ideology what their government would be. So each denomination would make its own government and they have their own government to this day and they have in their headquarters where it's in Cleveland, Tennessee, wherever it is around the world, and they will have their, their order by which they do certain things. They will also have their disciplinary action by which if a minister and their denomination does not follow what they teach, then they will discipline him and they will discipline that church. So once the denomination, of course, if they build the building, 
then they own that building. So if you try to pull away from that building, you can't really do much about it because the denomination itself funnels the money in, which gives them great control of what goes on. And then people say, well, that's God's government. That has nothing to do with God at all. It is a man-made system controlled many times by men which don't know a bit more about God than a rabbit would know about snowshoes. They know nothing about God. They quote his Bible, but as far as knowing the person of God, they know nothing about God. And Satan did that, first of all, to deceive the multitudes and the masses down to the age, but he also did it to be able to make a scarecrow so that then that would make those that are independent, which we are, that would make every independent child of God, it would make them resent almost any form of government, even God's. Because Satan took the false and made a scarecrow and it works so well, it scares eagles. Now that's quite a scarecrow. Whenever you can take a scarecrow and scare sons and daughters of God, can you imagine how hell must laugh when sincere, honest people are scared to death of scriptures and quotes because they are so terrified of a scarecrow. I imagine Satan, that must be one of his greatest days in the regions of the lost. When saved people are terrified to hear a servant of God read scripture, read quotes, and put together God's declaration himself. And Satan and his demons watch the saints of God freeze up. He watches them as they just sit there and they shudder. And it's just almost a terror comes over them. Why? The scarecrow. The scarecrow has worked so effectively on them that they think, oh my goodness, I'll be glad when he gets done with this. Oh Lord, oh Lord, where's he going? Where's he going? Straight in the scripture. Straight in the message of the hour. But what's so scary about it? It's the scarecrow. And the scarecrow is so effective, it even works on children of God. Now to me, that is a sad scenario. I see scarecrows should work on crows, but they should never work on eagles. They should work on all that out there, of course, but it should have no fear tactic at all on a child of God. And I hope tonight by the grace of God that we are gonna be able to look into the scripture. Are you willing to take a walk with me in the word of God? And we will be able to, once we are done, to look in and say, okay, I see. I see why Satan has always wanted me to be afraid because of my past affiliation with this church or that church or this certain man that was nothing but a dictator. Now remember, you don't have to belong to an organization to have a spirit of organization on you. There's been many preachers around this message that have been as independent as they could be. 
They were not controlled by headquarters. They were not controlled by a bunch of men. They were controlled by one man. So whether you're controlled by one or 500, it's still the same spirit of organization. If it makes any man your head over Christ the word. Now that can even be your father or it can be your husband or it can be a businessman or it can be a preacher or it can be one pushy deacon in a church that thinks he's got the upper hand and the say over everybody else. Well, y'all are getting as quiet as a bunch of church house mouses already. So you see, people get their mind that it just has to be the preacher. Oh no, I've known many, many businessmen in this message that were just as controlling, if not more so, than any preacher I ever met. You remember reading in your Bible, there was a man that John began to write about, Diotrephes, and he said that he would not even let the saints of God receive John. Now, can you imagine what a control Diotrephes had over the local assembly? You know, Diotrephes was not a preacher, but he was a wealthy businessman. And Diotrephes had such control that John called his name and John said that he would not receive the men of God and he wouldn't even let the church receive them. So here you had a man with a denominational spirit on him and he was controlling the assembly of God. You know, as I read that, I've never understood for the life of me why the church would ever let that happen. You think, why in the world would the church of the living God ever allow a businessman to get such control in the assembly that they would not set that man down and say, you sat down and shut your mouth. I guarantee you some of you would do it to me. You'd do it to me and you ain't got enough guts to do it to a rich man. I call you a pantywaist coward. Well, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. But you see, whether it's a preacher or whether it would be a man with so much money, he don't know what to do with it. Well, as far as God's concerned, there ain't no difference between them. Money might say something to us, but it sure don't say nothing to God. Is that right? So God don't want the one man preacher. God don't want the businessman. God don't want a controlling deacon or a controlling song leader, whoever. God doesn't want one person anywhere controlling the body. The body is sovereign within itself. As you know, you have the ability to vote me out. You have the ability to vote in your deacons, your trustees, all those offices, but yet I don't have the ability to vote you out. Now boy, we go to talking about fair somehow or another, that seemed like I got the short end of the stick on that bill. But yet that's the way God set it up. Now he did that for a reason. You believe that? He knew there would be controlling men that would come in and take over. So he allowed the apostles to be able to write to us and give us an apostolic forum that would set it up for the ages that are to come. 
And then the prophet picks it up, the quote we read last Wednesday, spoken words original, see, his shoulders is his body, where's the government on the earth at? It's his body. Saints shall judge the earth. Is that right? So not just preachers now, but the saints will actually judge angels. So saints, whenever they come into that glorified body, God will make fallen angels walk before you and you will judge them. Now Paul runs this parallel about the government being in the saints of God and some of the Corinthian folks were having arguments in the church and 1 Corinthians 6, I believe it is. And he says, what? Would you all take one another to law? Don't you know that the saints of God will judge angels? So he said, why would you take such matters then to to the law when it should be brought before the saints of God? So Paul was bringing something to the assemblies that they would be able to recognize the government of God on the earth is actually in the church. So I understand a lot of the message folks don't believe it that way. I understand that the majority of Christendom does not believe it that way, but I do, because I'm a Bible believer. I'm not just a Christian, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Now you'd be surprised how few there are in the message. Because you show them the Bible, and you show them the message. They'll look right at it, but I believe it this way. Well, that shows you're not a Bible-believing Christian. You're only certain passages of the Bible. Well, (laughs) hallelujah. Somehow I didn't think this was going to go over this way tonight. Now watch, the saints shall judge the earth. Where's the government gonna be upon? Upon the shoulders, his body. The government upon the shoulders, that's a part of the body. What is it? His earthly strength. God's earthly strength is his word made flesh in his body here on earth, bringing it to pass. Now, if people really believe that, there's no way you're gonna convince me that people would have the same idea about sitting at home and playing a tape on church service night. They, if they really believe what this prophet just said right here, they would know that every time according to what them tapes say, if God is in your heart, you cannot wait for them church doors to come open. Now you understand why a lot of these people don't do that? It's quite simple. God is not in their heart. It's just as simple as it can be, it's not complex. You know, now notice this, this is how that the administrative value of the body of the government of God on the earth will be orchestrated. He never committed it now to a group of men that a group would come together at at this council and that council and they'll decide on this and that and the other. No, God, God don't trust that. But God designated a way by which he would do it. Now he said you can only serve God as you and believe the servants that God sends. You can only serve God on earth, see, as God's servants that sent on earth by divine inspiration interprets the word to you. So it's not a group, 
It's not somewhere at headquarters, but God chooses in seven ages. He chose the messengers of those ages. Is that right? Then God would anoint them, being the eye and the horn, and they would catch the message of God for that day. Now, the reformers would go back to what was written. But remember, if God's got something else that he wants to say, which is not actually written in the pages of the Bible, now I know that makes some folks that say they believe the message, their nose get all wrinkled up, but that's your nose and your problem. Because I look at the prophet of our day being in the same caliber as any of them of the Old Testament or any of them of the New. Now somehow some of y'all may look at our prophet as being just a minor boy and one that really ain't got the authority. Well, first of all, I'm not sure you understand what a prophet is. A prophet is a divine interpreter of the written word. Not only that, but if God has something he wants to say, he will convey that through his prophet on the earth at that time. God can't do that to me because I'm not a prophet. Praise the Lord. God can't do that to any other pastor, any other teacher, any other evangelist. That can only happen to a word prophet. And somebody said, amen. Amen. Now, God does it that way. So what's he said? He that heareth you, heareth me. And he that despises you, despises me. He that despises me, despises him that sent me. That proves that God speaks his message through his servants always has, that's right. Now it's amazing how people look at authority and subjection. Most people look at subjection as depriving them of authority, but actually that's backwards. You see, when God designates a certain protocol in his body, then every person in that order of protocol gets in their position and there they stay. They are actually enabled with the Spirit of God to give them the authority they need to carry out their particular office. Now, when they step out of that position because they look at authority above them and they resent that and they say, oh, no, 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 I I could never be under pastor. I could never be under a prophet. And you see, that ain't just so with laity, but preachers get to the same place. So preachers will get an idea of what they think in their mind and yet somebody will show them something in the message of the hour that's contrary. And you know what they'll do? Now, I know this firsthand because I've done it for decades to preachers, you know? And you hear a preacher say this or that or the other thing. Well, maybe he don't know no different. So you send him one quote and then another quote and then another quote. Then it becomes one page, two page, three page, four page, 40 pages, 50 pages. And then he comes right back and said, well, yeah, I, I know that, but I still believe it this way. Well, you see what that man just did. He stepped out from under the protocol of God, under the headship of a church age messenger. Everybody follow me? And instead of getting more authority, he lost more. Why? Because we are empowered. We are empowered as long as we stay in our position. Now, I was meeting with some people last night and someone had a question about hair. 
And as I begin to look at that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I begin to show this family, which is part of our church, and I show them that what Paul is dealing with about the woman uh, having long hair and the man cutting his hair, and I went the verses above the hair verses and showed them the protocol of God. And that was that Paul was dealing with authority, submission, subjection, and so on. So he said that the man, his head, is Christ. And that the man was, of course, the head over the woman. And God, the spirit, the invisible, was the head over Christ. Now, Paul sets the order of the protocol. So here we've got the invisible God. Then we have the Christ, the anointed humanity of God. Then we have the man. And then we have the woman. Now, each one of them have a head except for the eternal one. And he is the head. Then after you set that in order, then Paul comes down and he goes to talking about a man having long hair. Now he says nature itself would teach you that it's a shame for a man to do that. So then a man that would come in here and a man would get up and pray with a hat on or a man would get up and pray with shoulder length hair or long hair, then we'd look at him and say, hey buddy, that ain't right. You're not supposed to do that. Well, why do we believe that? Because we believe when the man does that, he brings a part of femininity over onto his own body and he changes his image. I hope you're gonna understand this, but way back in the 70s when the hippie move started, it was the forerunner of the transgender thing we're dealing with right now. You see, if this transgender thing, if they would have started that in the 70s, well, a bunch of them old hillbillies and Tennesseans, that would run them out years ago and they'd have whooped the fire out of them and there would have been no transgenders in this day. So that didn't go over, but what they do, Satan knows how to put it in just a little at a time. He don't never show you the poison rottenness that he wants to give you, but he wants to give you just a little bit of bad covered over with a whole lot of good. And then what he does, little by little, he takes away more good and gives you more bad, giving you more, more bad, less good, more bad, less good. And then he springs this big major stuff and you're thinking, Lord, have mercy. I can't believe that. I never thought it'd be that way. Of course, that's the way he does. So Paul was showing them for a man to have long hair that he's bringing femininity upon himself. For the woman to have short hair or cut hair, then she's taking away from her image of what God made her to have her long hair and she's bringing the masculine image upon herself. By doing so, she rebels out from under her head. So when a man then has long hair, what is it a sign of? His rebellion against the image of God. So when a preacher then will refuse to line up with the word of God, he's doing the same thing. So in other words, Jesus has a right to put that preacher away in spiritual divorcement. Just like a man has a right to divorce his wife. Now it don't mean that he will, and it don't mean that he has to. But whenever a preacher, pastor, I don't care who he is, will not come subject to the teaching of the word of the day, then that man is walking on very, very dangerous ground. Because if he does not repent and line up under the headship of God for the age, he will be put away in divorce. 
Oh my goodness, friends, this is serious things. This is very serious. But now do even a lot of the message people who say they believe every word. That, that, that statement just about makes me sick in my stomach whenever I hear some of them say it because they don't believe 100th of every word, much less every word. If they believed every word, they would find a church and sit under a God called pastor and they would associate with the family of God and they would be identified with the family of God instead of staying home and press and play. Tell me, how can you fulfill the scripture in the book of Hebrews? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. How can you do that and say you can be as good a Christian being home? You're lying. God's prophet said you cannot do it. So they don't believe what he said. Now watch, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. Watch, now Paul, he wanted to assert his apostolic position. Not that he could be a lord over God's people. Peter even used that word. He said that we would be a lord over the heritage of God. They never done that so that they would be a lord over the people of God but so that the people of God would be able to take their word as it was God's word himself. So he must establish this apostolic authority. So he said, you become followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Now watch, Paul is identifying the real believers of that age by the way they followed his teaching. Now the question is, if you would have lived, and this is First Thessalonians around 55 AD, so if you would have lived in 55 AD, Brother Nathan, instead of 2024, what would have been our attitude toward these books right here? So these books were being passed around among the churches and the people were accepting them and saying that these were the words of God. But yet we know that they were written by Paul and sometimes by Luke as Paul would dictate to Luke and yet others are saying, that, that, that ain't the word of God. That's just the words of them men. You mean you were gonna take that, that book of Thessalonians and put it on the same level as the Torah? You're gonna put Romans and Corinthians and Philippians and, and Timothy and Titus and Hebrews, you, you, you people are gonna put that on the same basis as Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy? You're gonna put that on the same basis as God's prophet Moses? What would you have said? Yes, we are. Praise the Lord. Yes, we are. Now, watch again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. So that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, watch how that followers produced in samples. So they become followers of Paul and true followers, not in word only, but in deed and in spirit. Then they actually become the word that he preached insomuch that he would say that ye are written epistles, read and known 
of all men. So God, a lot of people want to leave it now. Well, just the prophet of the age, just the prophet of the age. And there's certain things that apply only to the prophet of the age. We know that. But if the examples of this message of the hour stopped with Brother Branham, then it does not fulfill the apostolic fulfillment of the bride being restored back to the apostolic foundation. Because it did not stop with Paul. It did not stop with Peter, but the real believers become an expression of Paul's message. Now, they were not worshiping Paul. They were not going around talking about Paul more than they talked about Jesus. But I can imagine if you would have been sitting in them churches, and yes, they had churches, and yes, they went to church. Praise the Lord. Notice again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God. Now, this is not the Cleveland Assembly. <laughs> or it's not the other mountain assembly either. And it's not the Church of God of Prophecy either. There ain't no such a thing in the Bible. But it was the real church of the living God. So I want you to notice now, the brethren in Thessalonica, which was made up of mainly Gentiles, you brethren became followers of the churches of God. So whenever the churches started following Paul, then what was going on? The law of spiritual reproduction was happening. They then were affecting other people's lives by that word that they heard and they thought, this is absolutely wonderful. I wanna be a Christian like that. I want to walk that way. I know they were not making idols, no doubt, of these people. And they were not assuming that they were higher than what they were. But they were simply following their example, which God had given to Paul. For ye brethren became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. Ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as have they of the Jews. Now notice where they were suffering it from, the Jews. So the Jews, which were holding the law of Moses, and they were righteous in this and that, and they were some of the greatest persecutors there was of the real children of God. Notice chapter five, verse 14. Now there has to be, if there's going to be government, if there's going to be a body and there's going to be regulations and regulators, then there has to be order. And there has to be a way that we will deal with people that will step out of line on occasion. Now listen what they did in the New Testament. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Now listen, warn them that are unruly. Friends, don't get all bent out of shape. Don't get all nervous and all uptight. I ain't fixing to call nobody's name. Notice we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Look at the meaning of the word. Disorderly, out of ranks, often so of soldiers. Irregular, inordinate, deviating, from the prescribed order or rule. 
Now, Paul knew, of course, as well as Peter and the rest of the apostles, that there was gonna be people that would come around and they would buck against, as we call it, the order of God. They knew they would. So now Paul is not only gonna tell them, look, what I'm writing to you is the commandment of God. That's settled, right? So then Paul must also tell them what to do when certain people wouldn't walk according to that order from God. Well, praise the Lord. Notice I found another meaning of this word. The word means careless, out of line. It was applied to a soldier who would not keep rank, but insisted on marching his own way. Now, Paul didn't say, well, just ignore them and just let it go. Nothing will come of it. But Paul first said, warn them. Now, we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. And I always find this amazing that the next thing he would say is, comfort the feeble-minded. I'll tell you why. A lot of times we'll read another scripture here momentarily, but it will be the feeble-minded, the weak, (laughs) that will follow such people. Real scriptural trained people check every move they make by the word. Well, praise the Lord. Now, he says, now exhort your brethren, warn them that are unruly. So the, the body of God is an army, is it not? So each of us then have a designated rank by God. And in that rank, we will march at a certain place. So this then is a person who is constantly breaking rank. And their rank is supposed to be at a certain position. And they say, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I know I can do more than this. I'm greater than this. My potential is so much greater. And they're all the time moving out of the rank and getting up and getting into things that they don't have the ability to take care of. Now, I know y'all know here that you only have one pastor, but you actually have several hundred associates. Because nearly everybody here has got an opinion how the church ought to be run. And a lot of them tell me so. (laughs) Now y'all's toes was crumpled up like this in your shoes. Now they went. (laughs) Notice he says, so warn, warn, warn. Which a lot of preachers don't do anymore. They don't give out warnings. Why? Because people don't want to hear them. But Paul said, warn them. Warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Now we... Uh-oh. We command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're moving into a different line here. 
So we have a command from a prophet of God. Everybody going to do that? You okay with that? Is that what you want? You want, you want to follow the commands? Now he said, we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. Wow. Now, Paul is here not only telling the people of Thessalonica, but to us as well. We believe that, right? So look at the meaning of this word, withdraw. To remove oneself, withdraw oneself, to depart, to abstain from familiar fellowship with one. But I wonder how many Christians do this. And yet, it's a command in God's Word. If you can't say amen, could you at least say ouch so I know you're still alive? Thank you. Now, we command, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother. So we're not talking about now that the saints of God are hanging around drunks, liars, you know, I mean, these people that don't even profess Christianity. But this is from a man who is claiming to be a brother. Of course, it can be a preacher, it can be a deacon, it can be a a, a good man, as people say. Well, it's getting hot in here, ain't it? Okay, so we are supposed to withdraw ourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly. Oh, oh no, don't tell me it's the same meaning. The same word? Atacteos? Out of ranks, often of soldiers, irregular, inordinate, deviating from the prescribed order or rule. Now, why is Paul saying this? He knew Satan would not stay from without the ranks of this great army of God. He knows he's going to move in just like he did in the Garden of Eden. So Paul is giving them a heads up on what to do when Satan come among them. You know what's so sad about it? With that warning, a lot of them never even listened. If they would have done this down through the ages, a lot of the false preachers and false doctrines and false moves that has been since the very beginning up till now, the saints of God would have had the ability to put a halt to it immediately. But it's the saints that don't obey this. Now this is not to the sinners. The Christians are the ones that starts giving an ear to false teachers and false prophets. 
Oh my, praise the Lord. Now what they should do is take it right back to the word and check it by the word and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, now wait a minute. This brother here, I'll tell you one thing. He's not saying what the prophet said. He is not, he is not carrying it out. He's skipping over this. He's skipping over that. I know somebody confronted him on that and he, he said, oh yeah, 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 right, 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 right. But he still don't admit he was wrong. A preacher that won't admit he's wrong and the word is right, you better run from him big time because that man's going to lead you straight to the tribulation period. Look, friends, if you're a bride, God will never set you under a preacher that ain't preaching a rapturing message. We need more than healing. We need more than shouting and jumping. And I believe in all of that, don't you? But I need a rapturing message as well. Oh my. Notice the power of this verse now. Can you imagine some of the people in Thessalonica and Corinth uh, and some of the other cities that began to get this book as it was shared around? Well, it really wasn't in book form. It had been more like a script or a scroll. And they would have read it. Oh, Brother Larry, I'd say some of them got some mad. That said, who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? Who put him in charge? Jesus. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. As a matter of fact, Jesus put him in charge of this disciplinary action that would be set down through the church ages. Peter never even addresses it this way, nor does James. If Paul hadn't have done it, we wouldn't have had it in the entire scripture. So Jesus put him in charge of it. <laughs> Hope that don't choke him. Notice, I can, we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition. Oh, you see, it's a common thing. It must have been in that day as it is today. One that people will say, well, I'll take everything that Brother Random said was thus saith the Lord, but all the rest of it, you know. Maybe just his opinion. Might be right, might not be right. But if now if it's thus saith the Lord, then I'll take it. So Paul said, you're not only responsible for thus saith the Lord that I teach, but the traditions. Anybody need a drink to help get it down? Now friends, why is this strange? Why is this strange? Scarecrow's going all up everywhere. Lord, I'm mercy, I'd say some people's done kicked off the internet. Their computer done blowed up. My other saying, oh Lord, oh Lord, where Brother Donnie going? Well, where does it look like to you I'm going? Straight into the Bible, your Bible, your Bible that you should spend more time reading. Now notice what tradition means. Ordinance. Tradition by instruction. The substance of a teaching. So you understand, it was not necessary that Paul include a thus saith the Lord after every scripture. Have you looked in any of Paul's writings and took an account 
of how many times when Paul said now, this is thus saith the Lord. Are them the only ones you're gonna read? Well, you see, people don't look at the teaching of the message in the same way they do the New Testament. It's like they don't understand the substance of the teaching. Yes, thus saith the Lord, exactly right. But I also believe the teachings of the message. I believe the traditions of Paul. And as a matter of fact, if you don't, you won't go in the rapture. You're excluded because you broke your rank. And you say, well, I think, and I. Now I'm asking you, who put you in charge? Because it sure wasn't Jesus. I mean, a bunch of us didn't even have enough sense to know if there's one God, two gods, three gods, God's gonna put you in charge? Come on. We didn't even know our way out of darkness. We wouldn't even be saved today if it wasn't for the grace of God. We didn't know how to worship God. We didn't know how to pray. We didn't know if there's one God, two God, three gods, many gods. We didn't know. But we needed a God-sent leader. We needed a prophet in this age. And yes, he would say, thus saith the Lord. But he would also have sound, solid teaching. Praise the Lord. Notice now in chapter three, verse seven. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. Verse nine. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. Now what's he doing this for? He knows People are gonna follow somebody. Everybody's gonna follow somebody if it ain't nobody but your wife or your mother. It's in humanity. It's in humanity to look up to people. My goodness, friend, look at all these influencers, they call them, on YouTube and all the rest of this social media stuff. I mean people out in the sticks, people that look as weird as all get out, and they can get several million followers, and they're influencers. Don't you understand the devil is copying what God does? Don't you understand what a prophet is? He's a real influencer. Don't you understand what a real man of God is? He's a real influencer. Every preacher that gets behind this pulpit is trying to influence you in the right way. To influence you to read your Bible, pray, get closer to God. Of course, most of them preachers will get more dislikes than they get likes. I sure ain't got no 2.9 million followers. Oh my goodness. Notice in verse 14. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, then just act like everything is fine and don't nobody say anything and don't nobody, you know, just just act like everything is fine because we're covering it by love. This ain't the kind of love I'm preaching about on Sunday. That's the Laodicean ooey gooey nonsense. Notice now what Paul says, if any man obey not our word by this epistle, our word. Isn't it amazing, Brother Ray, Paul didn't say God's word? 
Hello? Now listen what believers are supposed to do. Note that man. So if a man don't do, Paul said, what I'm teaching, then you're supposed to note that man or mark him, put a check on him. And then note him as part one. Part two is have no to mix together, to keep company, be intimate with one. Now you see, this doesn't just apply to preachers. It doesn't just apply to older people. It can also apply to the youth. All you need is one young boy or one young girl and gets in the youth group. And they go, I don't like this, and I don't like that, and I don't like something else. They go to complaining about this and complaining about that. Now, don't sit there and look at me like you, you youngins are a bunch of angels. Your mamas and daddies sitting there looking at me like you are, but you and I both know you ain't. And our church is like every other church, and I hate this about us. We're too clannish. We've got our own little three or four and no more. Shame on us. We need to reach beyond our little clan and reach beyond our little clan. Come on, somebody, say amen. Thank you, Brother Fred. Help us, Lord. So then a person that did not obey, don't you understand, friend? Why is Paul saying that? Is he trying to control the saints? He's trying to eliminate a lot of trouble in their lives and a lot of trouble in the church. But wonder how many listen to him, and yet we say we believe this word of God, hallelujah. I'll die for that Bible. You might ought to read it first before you make that statement. <laughs> or you could say it this way, I'll die for what I know, all three verses, hallelujah. I may change my mind after I know 15, but right now I'm firm on them three that I know, hallelujah to God. Mama, if any man, now he didn't say excluding preachers, excluding deacons, excluding Sunday school teachers, excluding old brother so-and-so and old sister so-and-so. He put everybody in the same category. He said, if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him. And this is the reason why, that he may be ashamed. Now I wonder how much trouble down through the church ages would have totally been stopped by the government of the body. So whenever the thing began to raise up about the Nicolaitans in the first church age, it was already there, the spirit was. So the coldness, and they didn't want, the prophet said they began to cry out. Them, them, you know, fancy people come in and got saved. They didn't want no more of them jumping, shouting, screaming, hollering people. So they wanted to get away from that. Or what if the church of the living God would say, hold it. You're not saying what Paul said. So therefore, you, sir, are a liar. I just quoted your quote 
except for the word sir. I added that. I guarantee if we had more of that going on in this day, we'd have a whole lot less junk to deal with in our lives. Somebody goes to coming to you after church with the latest gossip. Let me tell you who some of the worst gossipers I know, preachers. I'm telling you what, some of the preachers around this message are worse than women. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh, my. You get around them, boy, they got to catch up on this and catch up on that, catch up on something else. <laughs> my goodness. Brother Donnie, what in the world are you doing? I'm preaching for a revival. You say revival, yeah, don't you remember when Brother Bram stood on the great, one of the great lakes there and he said the water was coming up through there and all the trash is blown out. He said, what was happening? He said that Lake Michigan was having a revival. There wasn't one more drop of water than what it had when it started, but all the trash was washed out on the bank. That's what we need, a bunch of trash washed out on the bank. Brother, sister, then you talk about having revival, we'll have one. And it won't last from youth camp to youth camp and banquet to banquet. It'll last from now through eternity. Praise God. Notice, again in Hebrews 6, 12, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith in patience inherit the promise. Now, he's given them direction on who to follow. Again, Hebrews 12, 7, or 13, 7. Most people know the next verse. I've heard very few. Quote the prior verse. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Isn't it amazing that we don't quote verse seven right along with verse eight? So you're pointing to men of God that have led you thus far and the end of those men of God's conversation is Hebrews 13, eight. So you see a man of God that that's not the end of his conversation, run. I mean run, even in the cold weather, run. If I ever get to a spot at the end of my conversation, it's not that he's the same yesterday and forever, have an election, boot me out. Praise the Lord. Notice whose faith follow, praise the Lord considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. May it always be my theme. May it be the end of my conversation. Oh, how many wants it to be yours? Notice again now, Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Now you see, the government ain't fun, is it? Can you imagine going to the state house in Nashville? where they go to make in legislature. And a band gets up and they said, now, we need to pass a bill up in Carter County. I'll tell you one thing, we need to do such and such and so and so and so. And somebody else gets up and says, what in the world do we need that bill for in Carter County? Why, we can't spell it. They none of us even know what it even means. What we need is more food stamps and more help and less tax and less Bidenomics well, we, well, you saying we need agronomics? We ain't got no egg in our nomics. We, we need more money to pay our bills. And they go back and forth and back and forth. But there's got to be laws in the state of Tennessee. There's got to be laws in the United States. There's laws in the body of God. There's
has laws in the house of God. Our church has laws. If your family don't have them, I feel sorry for you. But you see, we're living in such an age of grace. Our children can come and go as they please. We have no curfew. We let them do whatever they want on their phone. They can look at whatever they want. New parents never even check them out. They can be with whoever they want to be with. If they want to come in at two or three o'clock in the morning, that's okay. I'm giving them more liberty. No, you're ruining them. Preach, Brother Donnie. Now watch. Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them. Why does he keep on with this? He's giving them a key to eliminate a lot of problems. You parents, if you'll take these scriptures and apply them in your home and watch the friends that your kids associate with, you might save them from getting addicted to marijuana. You might save them from getting addicted to pornography. You might spare them of all types of things. Watch the behavior of your kids when they get a new friend and see if that new friend is affecting them in a negative way. Now, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions. Again, he doesn't just limit this to a preacher. So mark them. But this is what many people tend to do. They tend to shut their eyes. I, I don't want to see it. No, 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 no. I don't want to hear it. No, 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 no. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. I believe there's good in everybody. You've been streaming the smiley preacher from down in Houston too much, ain't you? Yeah, he can't even call gays sinners. He thinks everybody's going to heaven, sounds like. You need to get off of his website. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Paul said, now, brethren, mark them, which cause divisions. So the divisions are those who cause divisions that may be rendered to separate the people. It can be into groups or it can be into cliques or little clans, you know. Those who cause different groups of people and it becomes a faction and then they will get their own little friends and their own little cliches and it'll happen in the church, you know. And they've got little certain little things that they do to one another and they'll do it in church. I see them doing it sometimes. And they'll do little things to one another and they'll sit there and giggle at one another. I'll put up with it for a while but I'm warning you, kids, don't try my patience. Amen. This is a house of God. Amen. It is not a gym. It is not a ballroom. It's not a ball ground. It's not a place to play. We come here to worship. We don't come here to giggle. We don't come here to tap one another on the side. Come on, somebody. We're not coming here to write on your notepad and let your girlfriend see it beside and then she writes something else. We're here to hear the word of God. Take heed, take warning. Oh my. Notice Paul 
Now I'm praying, I know y'all are praying, oh God, help him, help him, help him. Talk fast now, Lord, talk fast. Isn't it amazing when I get on these good things how I slow down? Isn't it amazing? It's just awesome the way that works, ain't it? <clears throat> now I beseech you, brother, mark them which cause division. So as I said, it doesn't have to be a preacher, of course. So it will be those that will cause divisions in the body, in the government, in the government of the body. And they will try to divide, of course. That's the way Satan always does. So he said, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses. Now look at this word. I don't know if you ever looked at it or not, but it's the Greek word scandalon. It's where we get our English word scandal. Scandal. That's what offenses are. Stumbling block, thing that offends. The movable stick or trigger of a trap. So then a hunter would set a trap and he would set a stick. And then whenever the animal would either come by it or he would get in and take the bait and a string would be attached to the bait and whenever he moves it, the stick falls and the door closes behind him and now he's caught. Do you understand that's what some people are? They're the stick in a trap. And they will do their best to coax you into their trap. Now look, just try one little puff. Just try one little shot, one little this or that or the other. It'll make you feel so good. Oh, it'll help you, it'll do this and that and the other. And that friend of yours is nothing but that stick in the door. And they're trying to get you to come in and take the bait. And then when you grab it, the door shuts. You ought to see them after I deal with them. When they've been on alcohol and drugs and marijuana for years, can't even walk, can't even say a sentence by putting several words together. You think they ever saw that in the trap? Of course not. Now this is why Paul is saying this in the body, not to be a boss, not to be somebody's, all right, I'm getting everybody under my thumb. Don't you understand why preaching like this is so needful for us all? It's to spare us of a lot of heartache. It's to spare us of a lot of scandals in our lives. I beseech you, brethren, Mark, Mark, Remember, God put a mark on Cain. He's the first one with the mark of the beast. So here Paul is telling us, mark them. Mark them. Why? So other people can know that's a troublemaker. That is a stick in the trap door. I'm gonna tell you, friends, some of you are gonna disagree as far as days from not, and I really don't care. I think, I wish sometimes that them devils, them social media people that come up with social media, I wish they'd have never done such a thing. I believe it's been one of the greatest detriments to humanity that's ever been on the face of the earth. I find it so amazing how many country western stars, how many Hollywood stars, how many of these rich and famous people will not allow their own children 
to get on social media. I heard of several this week and they said they were not. I'm talking about Hollywood people that live and dress and act like Jezebels and everything else, but they said they would not allow their children to get on social media because of the impact on their lives. And I said, Lord, have mercy. And here we got Christians that don't even watch what their children feed on. Y'all like to send me and Carol to Bora Bora somewhere for a month's vacation? (laughs) Some of y'all want to send us to Bora Bora. That's right across the road over here, you know, Bora Bora. (laughs) Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine, not that thus saith the Lord's, but the doctrine that ye have learned, and this is what you're supposed to do to them. What? Now the question is this, do we believe this or do we not? Not so that'll make them be lost, so that'll make them go to hell, so they will be ashamed and hopefully repent. Look at the word avoid and we'll close and y'all say glory to God. Avoid. To turn oneself away. To turn away from. To keep aloof from one society. Oh yes, read the last three. This is God's government. Do we want it or not? Or do we want the soft Laodicean? You will choose after tonight. You see, that's the thing that always breaks my heart when I have to preach certain elements of truth. Carol can tell you. Whenever I'm going to preach things or even if I'm going to have to meet with somebody and I've got to deal with them in in certain things of the Scripture, I get so tore up for days. She said, what's the matter? And I'll tell her, I know what I'm going to show them is going to be so straight from the Scripture and the message. And they'll do one of two things. They'll embrace it or they'll walk away from it. Do you understand? When we hear truth, we will never be the same again. We will embrace it and say, thank God for the truth. Or we'll say, I ain't doing it. I don't care how much he says. He can scream and holler and shout and spit and do whatever he wants to do. I ain't doing it. That's so sad. Let's stand together. Now notice verse 18. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly by good, fair speaking, smooth, and plausible address, which simulates goodness. Good words, here you go. That's what some of these good preachers preach. Words that are plausible and simulate goodness. 
Now listen to what Paul says. These people that cause offenses. By good words and fair speeches, blessing, bounty, praise, fine discourse, polished language, language artfully adapted to captivate the hearer. I may be known for a lot of things, right? (laughs) That won't be one of them. (laughs) So this is what people will do. They'll use good words and fair speeches. Now I want you to notice now who it will deceive. And it will deceive the hearts of the simple. Not those who really have depth and not those who really look into the word and search the word, but the simple. Many times the simple think they know so much, but they don't know enough to check it by the word. Ma, for they are such that serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches, Deceive the hearts of the simple. Now I wonder how many, if we would know the number from the time this was written in Romans, around 55 AD, and we bring it down to 2024, how many Christians, how many churches, how many moms and dads, how many young Christians did not apply this in their life? And they run across somebody that was telling them good words and telling them plausible words and artful words that was put together in order to deceive them and pull them away from the teaching of their mom and dad, pull them away from the teaching of a church. And then when they got out into this depths of sin and they looked back and realized, Lord God, what am I doing here? What happened to me? But if they would have judged that friend by the word, If they would have judged that preacher by the word or that deacon or that whoever it is by the word and say they lost 10, 15 years of their lives and then they're at the end of it and they're trying to pick up all the broken pieces and bring all the mess of their life. Listen, friends, the judgment will declare it. You'd not believe the people that I meet Don't get in your mind that I only counsel with people from our church. I counsel with people from all kinds of churches, message churches and denominational churches. And they come to you with the clutter and the mess of their life. And they don't know what to do. And you try your best to tell them, God have mercy. One of the saddest parts of my job is I will sit there and tell them, knowing they're not going to do it. They will not do it. They'll walk right out that door with their mind already made up. You think, how can people do it? How can you do it? How can I do it? God gives us his government to protect us. Don't you thank God for youth leaders, deacons, ministers? Do you? What about you, you children? 
Don't you thank God for good godly parents? Oh, you may disagree with them. Oh, mom and daddy won't let me do this. They won't let, I've got to be in at a certain, certain time. I've got to do this and that and the other. But if you don't now, one day, you'll grab a hold of your mom and daddy's neck and say, thank you so much for what you taught me. Whenever Erica was little, I had to set her down several times and tell her, look, Erica, until you get the Holy Ghost, I'm going to have to be yours. You ain't going to go along with what I'm going to say. But you're going to do it whether you go along with it or not. Harry was told by someone not long ago that used to come to our church. He came whenever he was a little boy. And there was a bully that came to our church. And this bully got after this little boy. And he was throw bricks at him, literal bricks. And Erica was just a little bitty old thing. She's seen it one day. And she used to pack a little purse. So she picked up one of them bricks and stuck in that pocketbook and went after that bully. That guy told Harry not long ago, said she's been my hero ever since. (laughs) You can see why she needed the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Didn't you hear a girl say amen? (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. But once she got it, oh my. She come to me and said, Daddy, thank you. Thank you. I looked at her picture today, tears running out of my eyes, remembering those words. Thank you, Daddy, for telling me the truth. I say thank God for every man of God that's burned my hide. Thank God for every time I've ever got a whooping. Praise the Lord. Anybody else here with me? Thank God for divine government. Thank God for a prophet that would tell us the truth. Thank God for evangelists that'll come in here and not choose to preach hard, but they'll follow the leading of the Holy Ghost and go right down an avenue and me as a pastor know they do not even know what they're preaching and they'll uncover things and deal with things and I'll say, thank you, Lord. Why? It's the government of God moving in his office. Don't you understand? One day this whole body of government will be raptured. Praise the Lord. And we're going to go up and enjoy that great marriage supper of the Lamb. And then the government of the kingdom of God will come back down on the earth. And we will rule and reign for a thousand years. The government will be continued. Praise God. Don't you love him? Praise the Lord. Let's, Let's bow our heads if you would. Praise the Lord. How many would say here tonight, Lord, if there's anything in me that rebels against your government, please take it out of me, Lord. Lord, a deacon may speak to my child, a preacher, somebody, a youth person, leader might speak to my child and have to say a little something to them. But Lord, help me to realize that they're doing that because they love them. Our pastor may have to preach hard. The ministers may have to preach things that really cut our hides. Lord Jesus, we approach you tonight, Father. 
I know this is not a sermon that would make a shout. We don't really feel like running around the building after a sermon like this. But oh Lord God, how grateful I am for your government. I've watched some of these preachers that have turned and walked away from this great message. I see what they become. It's like they have no guide, no leadership. Nothing as a boundary to say what's right and wrong and what they used to consider wrong, they don't consider wrong anymore. So sad. Oh Jesus, I'm grateful tonight for the boundaries of your word. I'm so grateful, Lord, to us. We don't look at it as bondage. We look at it as protection. Oh, hallelujah. I know the world looks at us and church entity looks at us and says, oh, them people are so bound behind them walls. But we're up on top of these walls looking out and said, oh, we're so protected behind these walls. And our youth are so protected from so many things behind these walls. The door is wide open. If we want to walk out, we can walk out. You don't hold your people with chains of slavery. You hold us with bonds of love. I could walk out at any time. I could walk out at any day as far as my will. Why on earth would I want to? Why on earth would I want to walk away from this great protection? I feel so protected in my little humble spot under the administration of this prophet. I'm not looking for a liberty where I can override what he taught. I'm not looking for some education, some PhD or whatever more that I can feel like I can straighten Paul out. I just feel really protected walking in my little spot. If I ain't nothing but a tater peeler, tater peelers are pretty important at supper time. Whatever you want me to be, God, is exactly what I want to be. I do not want to break my ranks. If I'm nothing but a tater peeler, I don't want to get in my head I'm a general because I'll bring my own deaths and the deaths of those that will follow me. Help each of us to find our place in the ranks. Every sister here, Lord, every brother, help them to realize it is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of protection. It's not a sign of weakness. Lord, I even know some preachers in this message, and whenever people will ask them questions, it's like they cannot hardly stand to say they don't know the answer. It's like they have to give an answer whether it's right or wrong. I'm so glad I'm just so dumb and so stupid that I can say sometimes, I just don't know. And I feel so protected, Lord. Oh, I know people look at me as an ignoramus. That's okay. They look at me as an idiot. That's okay. Let him say whatever. Oh, he won't even say it if he can't find a quote. He runs everything through the Bible, runs everything through the message. Yeah, they think they're throwing off on me, but they're bragging on me to no end. They just don't realize it. I just feel so protected in behind this word. So was Eve 
until the serpent anointed by Satan himself began to raise a question. And she didn't have the answer. So she stepped out from behind the headship of her husband. This is why we're dealing with all we're dealing with today. Help us, Lord God, I pray. Grant it, Father. Thank you, Lord. Oh, don't you love him, children? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you tonight, Jesus. We praise you, Father, for your healing, for your deliverance. We praise you for your law. We praise you for your order. We praise you for your government on the earth. Thank you, Lord. I don't understand, Lord. I look at all these people in America, and it's like they want to destroy America. They want to make, they want to make America like, like Russia, want to make it like this or that. Well, we could save them all that trouble. We'll just buy them a plane ticket and send them over there and just leave us alone. Leave us alone. But they want to change it. The same thing that's on politics, them demons out of hell, is the same thing that's getting on people about religion. And they want to change the truth. They want to change the message. They want to change the Bible. Instead of just getting out and leaving alone, say, I don't believe it. They want to change us to where we'll follow them. Well, we ain't doing it. We're following the leaders that you placed before us, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. May we be led, Father. May we be led by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Let's just raise our hands, can we, in the presence of the King. Now, children, I want you to honestly look at yourself here tonight and see where you find yourself. Can you honestly be led by the Word of God? Can you honestly be led? So those of you that make transactions with individuals and deal with individuals, and maybe it's youth, and maybe it's older people, do you take these scriptures and judge all of that by the word, or well, I, 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 you know, I, I know the word says that, but I, you better take his warning. He'll spare you a lot of hardship and difficulty. You find a young person trying to pull you away from the word, sure, treat them nice and be a Christian to them, but stay away from them. Amen. Avoid them. That's what your Bible tells you to do. Avoid them. Oh, but I'm trying to win them. Well, you give them enough word, and if they don't line up to it, take some of that word you're saying, you better take warning because you're not winning them. They're going to try to win you. And the next thing you know, you'll be smoking their cigarettes. You'll be listening to their music. You'll be doing the thing they want you to do. Instead of you converting them, they convert you. Oh, may God help us tonight. Sing something for us, Harry. Let's just worship a little. Can we, before we go? I know it's Wednesday night. You've got to work, go to school tomorrow. Let's just worship just a little bit before we go. Oh, I pray the Lord helps us that we'll all always be so sensitive to the Spirit of God that we can find our line in the protocol of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I feel protected. Oh, yes. In his arms. In your arms. Never disconnected. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Protect me, Lord. Protect your people. Protect our youth, Lord. Protect them from the things of the world, from coldness. Protect them from Laodicea, Father. Hallelujah. Sing it to him now. With Jesus. Oh, fall in love. Hallelujah. I want to fall in love with him more, don't you? Oh, falling in love with Jesus. It's the best thing I've ever, I've ever done. Oh, yes. Sing it again. Oh, falling in love with my Jesus. Oh, falling in love. With the Lord Jesus, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever, ever done. In His arms, I feel protected. In his arms, never disconnected. In his arms, I feel protected. There's no place I'd rather be. Falling in love with Jesus. More in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. The best thing I've ever done. Sure, most of you know that Brother Jared works as a lineman. And he got into um, 240 volts of electricity and uh, knocked him out, went unconscious, had to take him to the hospital. It's an absolute miracle that he's standing here alive today. Proves again, Satan cannot take us until God is done with us. We believe that, don't we? But he has some follow-ups and some different things that they're going to check just to make sure everything is okay. And we're believing God that everything's going to be okay. Lord God, once again, we have seen your mighty hand. Lord, as I walked into that ER and I saw him sitting up there in that bed, that big smile on his face, just thanking you and praising you for your mercy to his life. Lord God, it could have been totally different. We could have been gathering here tonight, Lord, and grieving again for another one that had passed from among us. But Jesus, we believe you've got a purpose 
for our brother's life. Father God, we thank you for sparing him, Lord. Now you see that the doctors want to follow up on some different things just to make sure everything was okay. Lord, we're believing you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ that the Spirit of God will be with him and there be no evil that'll come of this thing, Lord. We thank you so much for your grace, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you for sparing his life. Watch over him, Father, we pray. Grant the desire of his heart tonight, I pray. In Jesus Christ's name. Praise the Lord. Everybody. Pray. In his arms I feel protected And Father's arms never disconnected In his arms I feel protected There's no place I'd rather be Falling in love with Jesus, help us, Lord. Falling more in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever, ever done. Thank you, Lord God. There are people almost everywhere whose hearts are all aflame with the fire that fell at Pentecost. Friends that made them clean, meaning to burn now within my heart. Oh, glory to His name. I'm 
so glad I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I can say I'm one of them Though these people may not learn to be no boast of worldly fame They have all received their Pentecost baptized in Jesus' name And are telling now both far and wide His power is yet the same I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. One of them. I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them. They were gathered in the upper room, all praying in His name. They were baptized with the Holy Ghost and power for service came. Now what He did for them that day, He'll do for you the same. You'll be glad you can say I'm one of them I'm one of them I'm one of them I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them I'm one of them One of them I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them. Come, my brother, seek this blessing that will cleanse your heart from sin. That will start the joy bells ringing and will keep your soul aflame. It is burning now within my heart. All glory to His name. I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. So glad I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Oh, one of them. One of them. Aren't you glad you're one of them? I'm so glad that I can say one of them. Well, I'm one of them. I'm so glad 
and say, I'm one of them. Well, how many of you appreciate the word of the Lord tonight? Amen. I believe we can all leave here tonight and say one thing. We heard sound doctrine tonight. Did we not? And aren't you glad you've got a shepherd that's willing to tell you the truth? If it skins you, if it blesses you, whatever it does, I'm glad we've got a shepherd that loves us. Amen. And I love our sound doctrine. It'll make us better men and women, boys and girls, won't it? God bless you. Remember service here Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. We'll be looking for you. Have a good rest of the week. Be good to somebody that you meet along the way. Right? I'm one of them. You're dismissed. One of them. I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. One of them. Well, I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them, I'm one of them, yes, I'm one of them. Well, I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them.